Hello, and welcome to our OCR podcast. I'm Anthony Day, the host of this podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Susie Nyman. Susie is the Curriculum Manager for Health and Social Care at the Sixth Form College, Farnborough. Welcome, Susie. Thanks for joining me today. Would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Dr. Susie Nyman from the Sixth Form College in Farnborough. I'm actually an OCR moderator, a CPD trainer, and I've been curriculum manager for about 26 years here. Um, in that time, I've um, given webinars and um, presentations all over the world internationally. Some of them actually live stream from my classroom. And I'm also an author and I've um, published the Multisensory Teaching Toolkit and How to Become a Grade Riser. Great. Thanks, Susie. It's a pleasure to have you here. In this episode, we'll be chatting about how teachers can support their students prepare and revise for exams, how to manage mental health and well-being in the classroom, and we'll also discuss multi-sensory learning techniques. So let's get started. So Susie, how are your staff, your colleagues, how are they feeling right now? This is the first, first exam season um since what 2019 now? Um, maybe the first time that many people many teachers have worked their way through an exam season. So, so how are the, how are people in themselves? I think they're feeling good. They've been supported by the college. Um, we have a counselling service here and we have access to um, support if we require it. We've got um, examiners in the team and in the college to support one another. Um, but that teacher needs to be happy in order to be able to support those students and for those students to be happy. It's important for the mood of the class to be calm and that they can see control in the class and they feel that that teacher understands what they're talking about. I found that um, there's a really inspirational man called Action Jackson who I actually met a few years ago in Reading at a teach meet. And he says teachers play their part in developing a generation that's happy, healthy and successful. Now, he's an amazing human being and he empowers teachers to wake up as happy teachers and to achieve what they want to in life. And by supporting those teachers, uh, and making they, them feel confident that then those teachers can then support their students in the classroom. And that's so important. I spent quite a few hours in my classroom here listening to Action Jackson, helping support other teachers that were NQTs, ECTs, whatever you want to call them, um, who were really struggling in lockdown. And I didn't realise all that knowledge I've had over 27 years, I could support those teachers in a way that made them succeed to, to help them feel better about themselves and to help support their own students. So definitely Action Jackson is He's a you really endorse him and also speaking to your colleagues um, who have been around for a few years, who have gone through this season before and, and really mm. uh, taking on board that. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. It's a pleasure. One of the biggest things that we've been seeing over the last couple of years is obviously with the pandemic and students have seen their lives turned upside down, study worries, um, changes in routine. So 
how are your students feeling right now? Um, exams are nearly here. We're kind of coming into normal exam season for the first time in a few years. So how would you say they're feeling right now in themselves? Some are preparing for their exams really well, but others are really struggling. And that's because of their poor attendance. And this is for a variety of reasons, because many of them have had COVID or family members have had COVID that they've been looking after. Or in fact, a lot of our students are carers for their family members and so they've missed a lot of college and they're on the back foot really. Our students are the ones who were given teacher assessed grades for their GCSEs and locally a lot of those students actually were stopped, uh, stopped teaching, they, they weren't taught from the first day of lockdown and so there are sections of the specifications that they were never actually taught for GCSE so they are quite worried about it. Um, others are rearing to go and they're finished off early and they're already set up to go to university which is good so we've got a mixture really, a mixed bag. What are your main concerns that you're seeing in your students post-pandemic? Well, my main concerns are the lost learning, what they've missed over many, many subjects whilst they were at school, um, and them being prepared for the next stage of their journey in education, that actually are they prepared for the research skills, are they prepared for sitting in lectures and understanding what those lecturers are saying, are they doing the right course? Are they prepared to leave home now? And a lot of ours aren't prepared to leave home and want to have a gap year and stay locally or even go to a local university such as Surrey University or somewhere close that's not too far away such as Southampton or Portsmouth. Thank you. So we've actually got some five top tips here, haven't we? Five steps to mental wellbeing and that's from the NHS. And mm. I know that you're a big advocate of those aren't you? Yeah and it's really important um, those five steps to connect with other people, get those students to phone one another, talk to one another. One of my friends at the start of lockdown told me to phone five people every week. I thought that's a bit excessive. So I just phoned one person every week that I hadn't spoken to for a couple of years and they really appreciated that. And that good relationships are important for your mental well-being and having good relationships with your family and your friends and your teachers and your colleagues is so important. The second point, the second point for um, mental well-being from the NHS is be physically active. And that's so important as you do exercise, you release endorphins. We have a dog at home and during lockdown, that poor dog, after it had to be walked at night, actually she hid under the settee and wouldn't come out or she hid under the bed. No, no, I don't want to go for another walk. I've had enough. But, you know, being physically active, taking a dog for a walk. Um, I go swimming every day, but obviously in lockdown, I couldn't go swimming every day. So we'd have to go out for a walk. Um, it's not only great for your physical health and fitness, but it's also good for your mental health, too. Um, my third step to mental well-being would be learn new skills. And my son's a chef. And in lockdown, he said to me, Mum, what are we going to do? I am so bored. And I said to him, well, do you want to make some soup? And he said, yeah, OK. So one Saturday, 
He said, I'll go make it, mum. So he went in the kitchen and he made a massive vat of soup. And he said, what are we going to do with it, mum? I said, we're going to take it to my friends and blooming marvellous friends in the community. So I phoned my friend. I'll call her Simone for now. I said, Simone, how's it going? She said, oh, Susie, it's not going very well at all. She said, I've got my 98-year-old grandmother, mother, sorry, and um, she's, she's got terminal cancer and I'm not coping at all. And I said, don't worry, Meals on Wheels is on its way. And that was our first customer. And we took soup round to her and then we took soup to people from Blooming Marvellous and um, other friends, a midwife. We had a friend who had a mother in Frimley Park Hospital um, with COVID for two weeks and she hadn't seen anyone for two weeks and we just dropped it outside people's houses. So that was my new skill. I learned how to make soup and working with the people in the community with the Rushmore volunteers called Bloom and Marvellous. They've got an allotment in Aldershot. We got the vegetables and we used the fresh vegetables from the allotment to make the soup. In my recent survey with my students, they told me that they knew learnt new skills too and one girl on Thursday was telling me that she saw how to make a bee out of crochet on TikTok and she thought oh I'll have one of those but she said it cost 60 quid so she taught herself using YouTube she taught herself how to make crochet plushies and she sent me loads of photos of them and that was just amazing and lots of other girls in my class learnt new skills sign language, a new language, they might learn to ride a bike, they might learn how to bake cake. So that was a really good thing to do. The fourth step for mental health and well-being would be give to others. And giving that soup every week to the people in the community made you feel better. And because I was a rush, I am a Rushmore volunteer, it was a good excuse to get out the house, you know, once a week on a Saturday and see everybody, even though we just dropped it at the doorstep and rung the bell. And to number five, pay attention to the present moment. OK, now, yesterday was history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. And that's why it's called the present. That comes from. Kung Fu Panda. And that's so important to stop worrying about what happened before and stop worrying about what's going to happen in the future, but just live for today. I hope that's really useful for the listeners. I think that's really useful for listeners, Susie. I think for yeah, students, teachers, parents, adults, children, everyone. Mm. Really, but particularly that last step, not thinking about, you know, worrying about the future, worrying about the past, just deal with today and how you're going today. Um, mm. As long as you're happy and healthy, that's the important thing. The next thing I want to talk about is um, preparing your students for exams. And it's quite a big kind of umbrella almost to talk about, really. But I want to try and unpack it in a few different ways. So, Students, many students at the moment, they're going to be uh, dealing with revision and preparing for the exams in that sense and setting up their schedules and, and trying to memorise the, the information that they need. Um, so what would your tips be to students who, uh, and to teachers who are preparing their students for revision um, on setting up a good revision plan? Well, number one, I would see if those teachers could attend the CPD training 
because I actually um, deliver the CPD training for health and social care for OCR. And so I've had some of my centres, my, my centres that I moderate, they've been on the call. Um, and it's quite interesting. I look down the delegate list and say, oh, there's someone in there. I know that's quite nice, actually. So to attend the CPD training, so they're up to date with what's going on and up to date with, um, you know, the reduced assessment um, criteria, etc. So first of all, the teacher to get trained, use the textbook, um, do end of topic tests, mocks and revision techniques. Now, I've written this book, How to Be a Grade Riser, and I see passing exams as a crock and bush, whereby the top level is the command verb. The command verb are the examiner's tools of the trade. It's really important for that student to know the command verb, whatever is used in, you know, the command verb used in that exam question. There is an examiner um, examines, sorry, there is an examination booklet that you can get from OCR that explains all the current command verbs that they use in the exams. Once you've got that command verb, you need to know how many marks and how many minutes. The levels of response, is it a level one, two or three? Level one is basic, two is sound and three is in depth. What's that question asking? Is it asking value? Are you going to put in your opinions of others and or theory as well as your own opinions? And how are you going to remember that information? And I, you might remember it by paper chains, linking all those systems together, for example, in anatomy. And I visited a centre in Dartford and they said to me, oh, we can't link all those bits together. I said, use paper chains. I visited the centre a couple of years ago. There were paper chains going up the poles, across the poles in the classroom and down the other side. And the teacher said they really understood it. Number pegs, Cornell notes, lolly sticks, post-it notes for sequencing. You might brainstorm information, mind map it. You might use a storyboard, for example, a day in the life of a cheese sandwich for the digestive system. You might have a plan, you might have a song. And one of my students actually learned all the songs on YouTube and went up from 28 to 52% by understanding the songs and applying it to the information that she had to learn. You might use videos, models, mnemonics, dominoes, where you've got a question and the answer the other side. You might use a mind map, a revision card. And those revision cards might be coloured, you might use coloured pens, but also to use a picture as well as the words. And you're using two sides of your brain. You might use a story to remember something. And my students quite like the stories. I tell them, for example, how a neuron fires at a synapse. I explain as a day trip to Chessington, World of Adventures. Now, what's really important is to look at those past exam questions and see how is that paper constructed? Is it short answer questions, fill in the gaps, multiple choice, tick in the box, diagrams, comprehension or longer response questions? And if that student actually knows what the sort of questions are going to come up, come up in the paper, they can think like an examiner. And they can come up with their own questions and mark schemes and check them with the teacher. OK, this information I've just spoken about is in my How to Become a Grade Riser book. 
And some of the examples, such as multi-sensory teaching, is in my multi-sensory teaching book. But I've also written something called an exam task board. Just wait a second. I'm just showing Anthony now my exam question task board that I produced when the kitchen fitter turned the electricity off one day in our house and I sketched this out um, with a pencil and paper because there was nothing else to do. On my exam question task board, I have student name, student number. Decoding the exam question, we've got well, a topic. What's the task? But what are those examiner's five ideas? Coming back to what is the command verb? That command verb identify means. What are the key words in the question? Write them down. What is the hook you're going to use? in order to answer that exam question. It's going to be mnemonics, it's going to be a story, a song, a mind map, a vision card, or a video. What are those keywords in your answer? And an examiner only has a short time looking for those keywords in the answer. So it's really important to write the specific words down in there. What are those paragraph headings going to be? And looking at those questions, what type of question are they going to ask? Is it going to be? A multiple choice, short answers, fill in the gap, tick in the box, diagram, comprehension or other, or a longer response question, description, analysis, outline, justification or assessment. But once we know that, how many marks, how many lines and how much time, how many minutes? And on the bottom left of my board, I've got the possible answers to the question. And if it's an evaluate, it's the pros and the cons. And I've divided it up into pros and cons. And it's good for that teacher to do essay plans and show the students how to answer those questions. For those students to be aware of the levels of response, are they one, two or three? Are they basic, sound or in-depth? Level one, limited or basic. Level two, sound analysis, some structure. Level three, in-depth answer, detailed analysis related questions and appropriate use of terminology. But what is the part of the specification that that student doesn't get or they fully understand? And to write that down on the board and to write it somewhere or even in their notes to put happy and sad faces. And finally, how will I answer that question? Is it going to be pros and cons, point, example, explanation, relate, evidence, explain? Is it going to be your own opinions, the opinions of others, theory, case study, context, source, and use of terminology? And have I checked my work for SPAG? I hope that was useful, Anthony. Thank you, Susie, really useful. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is so big, particularly now, and we did, touch on the five steps to mental well-being but I imagine that as a teacher when you see your students coming in the class you can almost see instantly with each of them if something is a little bit amiss or something's not quite right whether they're walking in a different way if they go sit down in a certain way if they're not engaging with you or with their peers in a certain way um, and I guess a lot of people have their own techniques and strategies in the classroom outside the classroom and how to approach and support the students who might be struggling a little bit on that particular day um, but what would your how would you go about approaching if, if you identify that someone might need you know a little bit of an offer of support or to have a chat 
or, or a bit of help what, what would you do in that situation in the first minute I know how a student is feeling just by the way they're sitting okay so I can tell if their hands are on their chin like this or if their heads to one side I can tell what they're going to be like and so that's really important to know that now I'm looking around the room and I'm looking in the corner here and I'm thinking of a girl who came in and her head was down at the start of the lesson and the tutor had told me before he gave me the heads up that girl has actually experienced something quite horrific this was last year over the weekend and I went okay so I took the register and I said Elizabeth are you okay in fact I know you're not okay because your tutor's given me the heads up and I said to her would you like to come into my multi-sensory garden? So I built this garden at the back by the compactor at the back of my building so that I can take the students out if they're having a meltdown or worrying about something. And I took her out there and she told me what the problem is. But once she told me, I then emailed the tutor, emailed the nurse, and I said to her, at the end of the lesson, will you go and see your tutor? Yes, Susie, will you go and see the nurse? Yes, Susie. And the biggest thing was, she said, and I'll come to your lesson tomorrow because I feel safe. And that was lovely. Oh, it's fantastic. But you might have others. You can tell by the way they sit. But you might have others that send you an email on a Sunday night and say, oh, I certainly get all my work done for Tuesday when I never ask for work for Tuesday because I can't remember. I just do it for the end of the week. And I thought, this is a bit odd. So she came in and I said, What's this all about? She said, what do you mean? I said, you telling me you're going to handle your working on Tuesday? That's highly irregular. And then she told me that something was going wrong at home. And, and we, you know, highlighted the nurse and she went to see the nurse and, and then felt a lot better. Sometimes they don't tell you. Sometimes you have to play Inspector Clouseau. And I've spent the last 27 years spent, uh, playing Inspector Clouseau, and, and I think my team are getting quite good at it now. You can just suss things out really easily, you know, um, and that's part of being a teacher, but particularly health and social care, where you've got a lot of emotional baggage. They're coming in with their own emotional backpack. You don't quite know what's in there, and you've got to work out what the best thing is to say and, and or not say in that case, or whether to leave them. And but definitely pass up the line, pass it up the line, pass it to the nurse, pass it to the tutor and tell them you've got to pass it up the line. You've got to break confidentiality because it could be a biggie. That's the key takeaway, isn't it? That you always pass it up the line mm. To, mm. to the specialists, to the people that are there in mm. place to support these things. And even if it when you're speaking to your student that you're just saying, do you know what? I'm not going to try and find a solution for you. I'm not going to try and solve this. But if you want, just talk at me. And just tell me because that in a way can get them thinking and just offloading can't it i guess um yeah three things listen record and refer there you go that's what we have to do at college listen record and refer and as a teacher you feel better once you've recorded it and referred it up the line to someone that understands that far better than you do yeah do but i I said to you before, working with these people with mental health issues in the community gives me an insight into how they think, what services they use and how to support them. Um, 
you know, how to support people, mental health issues in the community, but how we support them. I can then follow that up, supporting my own students in my classroom. I think some students from the feedback we've been receiving just don't think this, that the exams are going to be going ahead. So how can we cope? How can we deal with those students? They're not engaging. They don't want to they don't want to play ball. They honestly think, do you know what? I can get away with it. Exams aren't happening. What would your advice be? Keep encouraging them. Say, I know from the inside because I work with OCR, you know, as a moderator, I know they're happening. Um, unless we have another wave of coronavirus, you know, that that that's one of the reasons it might not happen. But we're going ahead with them, you know, and we want the students to be prepared for their exams because we want to prepare them for the next stage. If they have this cohort haven't ever sat an exam before, this will be the first time they've ever sat a public exam and it's really, really important to them. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Dyslexia show and there's a man there called Fintan O'Regan and he's into helping students and teachers manage behaviour. And he said to me at breakfast, he said, Susie, it's all about mood, having the right mood in the class, encouraging those students. I've got two ways of doing it. I either say to them, come on, you can do it. You're really good. You're going to finish all that sort of thing. I could say, oh, let's have another nag. Let's have another go at you. You're not going to get there. You're useless, you know. But we need to change that mindset from fixed to growth instead of them saying, oh, I can't do it. Yes, I can do it and I can do it really well. And it's really tough changing that mindset. But do you know what? I think it's a bit like a baby crying when it keeps crying and crying and crying. You can't let it get to you. You just have to keep going and soothing that child until it calms down and eventually it will. So you just have to keep encouraging it, saying you can do it and also use peer pressure. Oh, look, Mary's finished. How about you finish as well? If you finish, then you can have a lie in tomorrow morning, you know, um, and just think of where you want to go. And you might talk about you're going to this university, for example, you might be going to, I don't know, Manchester Metropolitan or something like that. Um, but how about you go to Southampton instead? It's closer. And if you do really well and you get really good grades, you can stay a bit closer and you can come home and get your clothes washed at the weekend because that's really important, isn't it? Um, or even stay at home. But you've got to work hard. You've got to aim to go to the best university you can because you've got better job prospects. And essentially, it's all about money, isn't it? earning a really good way to support you and your family in the future thinking outside the box isn't it getting them mm. thinking further down the line about the impacts of this that and the other and how their behavior their attitude their mindset right now in the classroom is so important and it's going to impact on so many things it's really useful you can get them to write a story i've done this before write a story so on results day now imagine you open your results and you've got three X's and you can't go to university. Now imagine you open your results and you've got, I don't know, two B's and a C or a distinction and a distinction star and a, and, and a B or whatever. How do you feel? And it's that feeling of how you feel of euphoria and elated because you've got 
what you needed and you've got way you've got those results that you can go on to the next stage and do really really well and do your future career whatever it is whether it's nursing teaching be an astronaut it doesn't matter you're on to the next stage and you can see that you can get there that's brilliant speaking of um results day and beyond what would your advice be to to students parents and to teachers if if of how to cope if their results aren't expected um what what would you do how would you proceed positively into the future one way or the other okay i would um if they think that you know they did well in the exam we could ask for a photocopy of the script number one that's not too expensive and then the teachers can have a look at that script and we have examiners in our team that could look at that and say yeah I think the marking is more or less okay or it might be an aberrant marker that's gone off you know and and it's completely out of tolerance so we can start with that some of our students might like to take a gap year they might like to resit. I've got a student that's doing that at the moment she's working at Primark and she's doing an online course to help her to become a paramedic so they could do that um, they could go and do an apprenticeship and Farbertech down the road has apprenticeship. So I would signpost them to that um, and also go and work, volunteer, work experience, etc. in the sector that you want to eventually have a job in, have a career in. For example, if you want to be a nurse, go and get a job at Frimley Park Hospital, go and get a job at, uh, you know, in um, the hospital in Guildford, the Royal Surrey. And, and, and just help yourself move along that career pathway and, and, and get to university maybe the next year or maybe not even go to university, do an apprenticeship, whatever works for you. Because you know what? If students do an apprenticeship, it's great on the bank of mum and dad. Really good. And they're not going to have that £60,000 loan that they've racked up. Um, and it might be a better way for them, particularly for students with SEND who may even struggle listening to the lectures, understanding what on earth that lecturer is saying, doing it in a slower route, a more hands-on route through an apprenticeship and enjoying that process. It really is important, isn't it? In the first instance, if, if you're you know concerned about your results or the, your next steps to really speak to your teacher um, in your current college or school, um and speak to the receiving institution as well um yeah. just to get the kind of insight and tips that you just shared that is potentially more applicable to them and that you know certain areas and certain colleges and universities and options to them definitely reach out to your your school or university or college many years ago i've got another story for you anthony many years ago i um taught a girl a level biology she didn't understand chemistry and I'm a chemist. I sat outside on my picnic mat with chocolate ice cream and I taught her how to do organic chemistry. She then did better, but on results day, she got an A for biology and she got a B for chemistry and she wanted to go to Manchester to do medicine. Our old principal phoned up Manchester and got her in. And she's now a GP and she's doing really, really well, uh, which is nice because when we move back to Farnborough, you now hear stories of the students. They even sit in the swimming pool and say, you taught me, Susie. Um, and they come back 20, 
25 years later and say, hello, this is what I've done and thank you. Brilliant success story. Fantastic. And it involves chocolate as well. Winner. And um, ice cream. Yeah, very <laughs> important food, you know, teaching the way through through chemistry and biology with food is just the best way to go, I think. Absolutely. Um, we touched earlier on your multisensory garden. And I know that you live and breathe multisensory techniques and strategies, um, particularly for students with SEND dyslexia but I think it really is something that's applicable to any student in any school it is and you know people say will you give a, a webinar on multisensory teaching for dyslexic students and then the question at the end is always do you think this would be useful for anyone and I go yes it does and and I think I see teaching like an onion you know Shrek said he was like an onion in layers so you start with the core material and we might start with the heart for example we might clap the key words to michael jackson's beat it and then i have a laminated diagram i have um a piece of material nice bit of satin that we put on the floor the size of a tablecloth and the students walk through that heart and as they walk through they then walk the walk and talk the talk. Here's the vena cava, small cave. Here's the atrium, the biggest room in the Roman house that received deoxygenated blood from the rest of the body. You go into the um, tricuspid valve. You try before you buy. I said in Sainsbury's, you try before you buy. So that's the tricuspid valve down into the right ventricle, up the pulmonary artery, into the lungs where it's oxygenated back round through the pulmonary veins into the left atrium. And I said before you try, before you buy. So it's the bicuspid valve down into the left ventricle, up the semilunar valve and out through the aorta. I did this with a boy at the oratory school. I never thought he would do it. A six foot whatever rugby player. And the cleaner came in and she said, what are you doing, Susie? I said, we're learning the heart. Well, why is Michael Jackson's beat it going on? I said, oh, it's really good. Gets you into the gets you into the zone. OK, this boy walked through it five times. Then he said, I'm going back to the boarding house, Susie, and I'm going to teach the other boys how that heart works. And it does work. And my students here say it works and they love it. We make um, the heart out of Play-Doh. Um, we, we'll have questions um, on their laminated. They use ball pens um, to write the answers down over and over again. But the best one is the weakest link. And we play the weakest link in class and they have the boards and I say, what's the main artery coming out the aorta? And they all line up and they, I go, I'm sorry, but I mix a bit of the old millionaire in there as well, just for good measure. And they flip the board and it's got the aorta on there. And, you know, have they got the right spelling? Um, have they got the right word? But the best bit was I was given the wink when Ofsted came and they said, Susie, you've got to get literacy in your class this morning because that is what they're talking about. I said, OK, we'll give it a go. So we're doing the digestive system. I've got the balloons out 11 metres mouth to anus and we've modelled it all. I think I did that the day before, actually. And um, I said, what is, the, what is the muscular tube going from the mouth 
to the stomach. And I went round and the dyslexic girl had spelt it wrong. And I said, no, Elizabeth. Sorry, I have to use Elizabeth because I can't use the real names. Um, that's wrong. It's O-E-S-O-Fagus. And um, she said, oh, thank you, Susie. And could see that. I've seen Inspector writing it down in a note. So I thought, oh, great. Oh, wonderful. I've got a brownie point today, which was great. So she saw that we were doing that. And um, yeah, she enjoyed the lesson that day. So that was good too. Um, you know, that the Ofsted inspector appreciated us playing the weakest link. They learned it, they understood it, and we checked the spelling as well. Something to remember for sure. Mm. Uh, and we, it's something that we all experience, whether it's a material, a smell, a sound, a song, and it and it invokes certain memories and and yeah it's fantastic isn't it it's, it's definitely something that's applicable to everyone yeah we taught the brain and in the morning they just put it on the on the syllabus that changed the specification and so we thought yeah it's going to come up pretty soon either this exam or the next one and in the morning they didn't know it they couldn't remember it so I got play-doh and I had a laminated brain diagram and I got the students to get the play-doh and then add scented aromatherapy oils so they did clothes for cortex mint for medulla etc and they sniffed it all put it all in place and that afternoon it did come up on the paper and they were so pleased because they could remember it but they could remember making it touching it smelling it they didn't eat it but um yeah they could have eaten it if they'd do something else so what's in your multi-sensory garden in the multi-century garden, we have some tables and chairs. Um, I've got a bay leaf tree, rosemary, lots of different herbs and flowers. So when the students are having a meltdown, they can go outside and sit in there and calm down and listen to the birds and look at the wonderful cedar tree that's sitting there right in front of them. Fantastic. And you just calm down, really, and then come back in when they're ready. Brilliant. The other thing that you have, and you showed me earlier the poster version of um, Rossi Stone's, is it 50? 50 coping yeah. strategies? And that's fantastic. And we'll, we'll pop the link in and it's it's brilliant. So it's, it's beautiful illustrations of 50 coping strategies by um, an artist called Rossi Stone. And they are to do one at a time, whether it's going for a bit of exercise, having a rest, meditating yoga um playing hide and seek chatting catching up with a friend there's all sorts of different tips and they are um and susie's um modeling this fantastically holding up this poster for me to read oh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> just to visualize it for everyone listening and um we'll, we'll pop the link in and and susie's very kindly also writing a blog for us which will be published hopefully by the time that we share this podcast out that will be published on our website as well um on mental health tips and coping strategies and a, a little bit about your own story over the last couple of years susie came about because rossi published his mental health and well-being book and the center spread was these 50 coping strategies and um a lot of my students were having difficulty in lockdown um with their mental health and i had five or six in the class at the time and one of the tutors wrote to me and said Oh, Susie, I've got another one with mental health issues. Can you look after her? And I thought, well, I've already got five or six. Hang on, what am I going to do? And I thought, right, I'm going to flip it on its lid 
and see what are you going to do yourself to help yourself with mental health issues and um, and what are your coping strategies and some of the students said I'll go and have a walk I'll go and bake something I'll go and make my mother a beautiful meal this evening I'll go and listen to music and in order to tell you today Anthony exactly what the most fashionable things to do in lockdown are I actually converted these 50 coping strategies into a Google form. And the top one was to listen to music, which I thought was quite interesting. But number four was cry. And they, my girls said it was really important in lockdown. Um, so I'm going to do my top 10, if you're happy with that, uh, um, Anthony. Yes, please. I'm going to them off. Yep. Number one, listen to music. Number two, rest break or nap number three drink water it appears that drinking water is now in fashion cry number five exercise sleep take a shower or bath number six cook or bake look at take photos but smile and laugh that was really important to smile and laugh clean up organize cuddle or play with a pet Colour paint or draw. One of my students last week said that she painted lots of beautiful pictures um, in lockdown. Eat healthily. Get a hug. Talk to someone you trust. Drink a warm cup of tea. Sing and or dance. Which comes to my last story, Anthony. So one Friday, I'm sitting here, um, remote teaching in my classroom in lockdown one class after the other and a girl finishes and every time one of my students finishes the course I play them I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor and it lifts the whole mood of the class and they join in but this was remote and the camera was on me and I said to them right um, Georgina, for example, you've finished. I said, I'll play you, I'll survive by Gloria Gaynor. I put the music on. This was the first time I've done it with this class. And I sang and I danced up and down the room. And I go to the door and I go, go, walk out the door. Don't turn around now. We don't live here anymore. And this was at 10 past four in the afternoon. You know, college finished at 10 past four. And I'm thinking, oh, they're not going to watch me. Um, they're all going to go off. They're going to log off and leg it. Would you believe it? The full four minutes of um, I'll Survive by Gloria again, I looked at the screen. They were 20 circles still on my screen. I thought, what's going on? I looked around and I said, boys and girls, why are you still here? And they started clapping. I said, what are you clapping before for? And they said, Susie, you've made our week. Lockdown learning is so boring. But you dancing up and down, I was absolutely brilliant. And all the students in their chat box were putting comments for that girl that, that had finished. Well done, Georgina. You've done brilliantly, you know, and all this sort of thing. And that spurred them to finish because they wanted me to get up and dance again. So every lesson, we then started with music 
and ended with music and tried to lift their mood and it really really helped there you go that's a that's a challenge for anyone out there to uh start and end their lessons with a famous song thank you so much for sharing your tips and advice with us it's a pleasure thank you for joining me susie and to everyone listening i hope you found this podcast useful You can find more information on the support available from OCR as we head into the summer exam series on our website at www.ocr.org.uk forward slash support.